You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And this is live radio, folks, and uh, sometimes it just doesn't go as planned, but that little initial thing you heard there, hopefully, was supposed to run in with my music, but you know what? That's okay. Uh, you get the gist. <laughs> uh, so, welcome one, welcome all. There, We have got... Uh, I mean, a plethora of things that we could go over today, that we could talk about, that we could do. Um, I had a, a pretty, uh, what I think was an interesting, entertaining show planned out for today, but I am completely going to deviate from it because I, I just over the weekend, you know, sometimes folks, I get on my motorcycle and I go for a ride. That is my therapy. Uh, that is my uh, get back to... Um, you know, one with uh, with nature, one with the road, one with my mind. You know, they, they, uh, I trained for a long time, some of you know, in, in the martial arts and uh, Eastern philosophy. And uh, there is something to be said about not just your physical capability or taking care of your physical uh, self, but there is your mind and your body, you know, not just the body. Like I said, the, the mind and your spirit must be fostered and taken care of as well. And uh, so sometimes, you know, that's what the motorcycle does for me. Get out on the open road and, and, and symbolizes freedom and liberty to me. And uh, sometimes I'll come up with things. And, and a lot of the things I come up with for this show happen while I am riding a motorcycle. Uh, that's usually sometimes when I'm by myself and not riding with a group. Because when I'm riding with a group, I'm busy entertaining them because we all have chatterboxes on our helmets. And... Um, Boy, we could probably do a whole show with some of my rider buddies if I brought them in here and uh, talk about some of the things that we get going in conversation while we're riding our motorcycles. It's quite funny and entertaining. Uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, so I'll come up with some things in a lot of times. So I had a couple of topics and uh, a couple of shows planned out for today, but I'm going to deviate because um, one reoccurring theme that I just keep seeing right now, and it's just it's just driving me a little nuts, uh, but is this, are we... Are we losing faith in America? Are a lot of people just getting down on America? Are you losing faith? And and that question has been bugging me this weekend. And I want you to know America hasn't lost faith on you. America hasn't lost faith on her people. And America never will. Now, can America fall because of 2% of the population that is running around that wants tyranny? 2% of the population that doesn't give a rat's you-know-what about uh, black lives or white lives or, or, or brown lives or yellow lives or this life or that life? They don't care about that. They care about one thing and one thing only, and that's Marxism. Uh, they want to destroy capitalism. Uh, folks, we have so many things right now. That are anti-American, and I'm afraid a lot of you just don't know it. Uh, so many of you are married to a political party that you can't really see what's in front of your face, which is a group of people trying to destroy this country, and it's a small group. We're talking maybe two percent of the population. So, are we the ninety-eight percent or so? Are we going to sit by? And because we're afraid, because this 2% has a loud voice, and because the media is on board with this 2%, and why? Why is the media on board with this 2%? Why are the Democrats on board? Why are they giving voice? Why are they giving fodder? Why are they making the 2% sound like a, a, a 100% or, or, or 90%? Why? 
Well, it's because they all have an agenda. The media has the agenda. The Democrats have an agenda. And, and I guess many of you out there who are married to the letter D have been convinced that your purpose in life right now is to get rid of Donald Trump. And my gosh, people, step back and listen to yourselves. Donald Trump is one man who's been in office for three and a half years. Your anger needs to be at the Schumers, the Pelosi's, the McConnell's, the Graham's, the, the swamp that is Washington that's been there for 30, 40, 50 plus years. The people who have made politics a career, the Democrats who run Baltimore, the Democrats who run New York, the Democrats who run L.A., the Democrats who run Seattle, the Democrats who run San Francisco. Where's your anger for these people who over 40, 50 plus years of elected service have done nothing for you? They could have stopped all the things they're crying about now. They could have done something about, but didn't. But yet you want to be mad at the guy who's been there three and a half years. I mean, step back. It doesn't make any sense. And here on On Point with Victor, we are all about common sense and logic. And it just doesn't make any sense. So again, just because the voices of the 2% are loud and, and corporate, look, folks, Corporatism is a whole nother ism. Corporatism isn't really for straight up capitalism or free markets. Corporate, the problem with corporate CEOs and these companies, uh, whether it's Delta, whether it's GM, whether it's, you know, any, any big, big company, the problem is they fear their government. And if you read our founding fathers and learn from the country, the history of our country, the government is supposed to fear the people. Government should always fear we the people. But you know why they don't fear we the people? Because we continue to send the same people back. We allow Democrats and Republican representatives, uh, whether they're in the House, whether they're in the Senate, we allow them to go back and make it a career. We allow them to sit in the halls of the House or the halls of the Senate. We allow them to sit there for 20, 30, 50 plus years. Now, that's what has to change. And this is why I said America hasn't lost faith in her people. We just got to get our faith in America back. We have to get our faith in the founding back. Uh, we are a great nation. And I'm going to deviate in a minute, and I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to illustrate why. Because one of the other things that was running through my head this weekend was the number of, of young college students who are so willing now to take a knee in front of the flag or to take a knee in front of the national anthem or during the national anthem. And, and this is driving me crazy. And you know what? These, I, I, these kids don't know what they're doing. The adults who are doing this, maybe you don't know what you're doing either because maybe you just don't know the history. So I want to, I'm gonna in just a second. I'm gonna get in. I'm gonna get into that, and I, I'm, I'm, and, and you'll see why. You'll see where I'm going with this. But, but I don't want you to lose faith in America. I don't want you to to be silenced by the small voices that are giving the loudest voice right now. Or they're giving the big. They're giving the platform. They're giving. You look. They've got all the media. They've got uh, all the Democrats, and and they're trying to scare you, folks. Government uses fear. That is their number one weapon against the people they're trying to control. And their biggest problem with with President Trump is, folks, President Trump is not out of control. He's just not in their control. 
And this is something that you've got to understand, that a government, whether it's here in the United States or whether it's uh, uh, tyrannical gov- governments throughout the years, throughout history, socialist, communist, uh, but you can, you know, throughout the years, you can look now to the current Washington establishment. They want to put you in perpetual fear so they can stay in power. Uh, they're using the COVID-19 Wuhan coronavirus. They're using that as a tool of power to control you. And one day, one day you guys are going to figure this out. I just, I have faith that, that more and more Americans are figuring this out on a daily basis. Uh, so I want to get into that and, and I'm going to get into in just, just a few. But I, I wanted to mention something else. I heard the Godfather say on Friday, and, and those of you who are talk radio aficionados, you know exactly who I'm talking about when I say the Godfather. Well, he mentioned something the other day. He said, you know, folks, I woke up this morning and I was alive. What a good start to the day. Well, folks, I just I want to add to that. Because you've heard me talk about positivity versus negativity, and you've heard me talk about chips on the shoulder and how you need to remove that chip. And only you can remove the chip that's on your shoulder. And 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 so, as the Godfather said, when you wake up in the morning and you're alive, because clearly if you wake up, you're alive, which is what he's alluding to, that's a great start to the day. I don't care uh, how bad you're having it. And folks, right now, millions and millions of people are having a really rough time because we allowed our government to convince us to shut down an economy that was thriving. So now we have millions and millions and millions of people out of a job. And we continue to let government use fear and media use fear to try and convince us to go into lockdowns again. So how many people is that going to affect? So there are people having a really, really hard time. But you know what? When you wake up, just waking up in the morning, give thanks for that because that's the start to a great day. And then make the choice because, folks, it is a choice. You're going to have a positive day or you're going to have a negative day. And that doesn't mean that your day won't be a crappy one. But it does mean that you have the choice to make it a positive day or a negative day. Um, we all have crappy days. And are you going to let that day end with negativity or are you going to turn those days to positives? Because your life will change when you can Start your day with positivity and end it with positivity. And I know it's not easy, folks. It's not. But you can do it. And uh, your life will change. I just can't say that enough how your life will change. Look, I I used to joke with some friends. Actually, not just a week or so ago, I was joking with some friends about how my, my mother, every morning we would wake up, she would make us make our bed. We had to make our bed. And I really don't know why she did that. But I really thank her today for for doing that. Folks, uh, I had a kind of a a really different upbringing when I wasn't in the States. When I wasn't in the States and I was in the other country, um, what I call the third world country, I love it. I do. I love my heritage, folks. Uh, But uh, there were times when someone else would make my bed and my mother would make me march right back upstairs, undo it and make it myself. And I really didn't know the lesson, but you know what that lesson may have been, and maybe this was her point. When you get up in the morning and you make your bed, that's a start to the day of an accomplishment you've made. In fact, there is an awesome admiral, and I cannot remember his name, but he gave a speech one time. It may have been at a college, I'm not sure. But he mentioned the same thing, and this is what made me think of this. Uh, When you make your bed in the morning, that is an accomplishment. 
folks, if you've ever, if those of you out there who've been in the military and you know what it's like to have your barracks checked in the morning and have your, and I know David does, uh, but when you, when they come in, your drill sergeant comes in and, and every corner of that bed has to be a square, that pillow has to be centered, uh, that bed has to be made 100% correct. And you're probably, as a grunt, you're wondering, why the hell do I have to make this bed perfect every morning? And if it's not perfect, why do I get me and my platoon buddies got to do push-ups? Well, maybe it's because the lesson is being was being taught by by your drill sergeant or by my mom that the fur or by the admiral that I was speaking of that the making of the bed in the morning is the first accomplishment of your day, and that's the first positive step of your day, and then from there you go on and tackle more things throughout the day. Uh, so so so. Think of the little things, folks. Think of the little folk things. And uh, David, looks like you've got a comment. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I do. As a matter of fact, I was just talking to a uh, Vietnam nurse just a few minutes ago before I came in, and um, you know, she and I concur. You know how to? You know what's wrong with the riots, the people that are throwing bricks, and the, my idea is to put them all and take gut buses. Take chairs, everything out of buses or seats, and arrest every one of them, put them on a bus, and take them to the local recruiting office for <laughs> Army and Marines. Now, that will snap them to attention real fast. And, you know, the Marines and the Army have a way of uh, changing people. And I've said this, the older I get, and, you know... <laughs> Maybe it's Alzheimer's. I don't know. But the older I get, you know. Uh, are you having a Bidenism? <laughs> yeah. Um, you think back over your time, the time I spent on active duty and stuff, and uh, and you wonder, just like you said, why the hell does this bed have to be made every morning? <laughs> right. And then you'll find, why the hell do we have to do this? Or why do we have to do that? But, you know, the military has matured in thousands and thousands of ways since it became a real organization. Right, right. Be it the Navy, be it whatever it is. Right, Marines, whatever. whatever. Mm-hmm. And you finally you get out and you know, like they teach you one in the Army or Marines is that if somebody, if your sergeant or platoon, your first lieutenant or your lieutenant your platoon lieutenant uh, says drop you drop. You drop. You don't, because <laughs> you don't ask they, why. <laughs> no, no, you don't stick your head up and say, "What did you say?" Uh, <laughs> you just assume that you do it because, yeah. and they they drill this into mm-hmm. you because a bullet might be coming right for your head, right. and so you drop. And when you're ordered to do something, you do it, mm-hmm. and that's where. You know, your mother doing what she did, I, mm-hmm. I've never met your mother, but I mm-hmm. certainly respect her. Mm-hmm. Did she wear one of those uh, Yogi Bear hats? Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, she she wore a few things, uh, she, but uh, I don't think I ever saw her wear one of those you hats. Didn't, you didn't see her in a drill, a drill sergeant <laughs> In a drill hat. sergeant hat, but boy, she could have. Yeah. Uh, she was the drill sergeant of the family. But, but uh, you know, this, but, you know, this is, lessons. we all need discipline. Absolutely. And whatever kind it comes, whether it's from your parents, your mm-hmm. grandparents, and this is the problem today that they're really identifying these people. You know, they come from broken homes. They mm-hmm. have no father influence. Right. Uh, they may not even have a mother influence. A mother may have dumped them off at their grandparents mm-hmm. that have already raised their kids once. Right. And, um, you know, so I, 
my only answer is, and like a, like one of my colonel friends told me, it may be that the Army or Marines might not want them. They might reject them. But uh, <laughs> Well, it's possibly true. You know, I have a very good uh, uh, friend as well in the Ar- Special Forces, and uh, he made a similar comment. <laughs> we don't want them. Yeah, well, you know, I, <laughs> but, I was at the end of uh, the draft, and uh, they had started the... They had started the lottery up, and or some of us volunteered, and uh, it was amazing. You you thought, how could anything not make it in the army? I mean, it's it's pretty simple to mm-hmm. put the right foot. But some of these poor right. guys that were drafted didn't know their right from their left foot. Oh, literally. I'm sure. I'm and sure. It, it was sad. But you know, and and I can see the, you know, and if they're called out. Say, let, let's just say, you know, that, that my idea goes over great and they start stripping seats out of buses to get ready. <laughs> and the scenario is, pardon me, the scenario is that, uh, okay, well, we're not going to take all of them. Okay, that's fine. But right. let's, let's have a place to take them mm-hmm. and start teaching them discipline, start yeah. teaching them how well, to get actually, up and, and make yeah. your bed. I've actually talked about that. That's not a that's not a bad idea, and and it may be something to look into uh, in the future. Because um, as David mentioned, we do need discipline. Uh, I've mentioned before these these uh, these these morons that are out there in Seattle, the Chop or Chaz, and and these other uh, rioters and looters. Uh, you know what? At some point, we should. I, I I'm not saying we need to go in with violence. But a lot of them need to be bent over a knee and popped in the in the in the butt with a with a good old paddle uh, and, and get some discipline that they never learned. But uh, but you know, David, I mean, that's so true. That's so true. But uh, a world without discipline will be chaos, and um, we're starting to see what some of that looks like. Well, you know, um, the and without going into uh, religion, but. You know, religion is a discipline as well. And I'm not saying that we're going to convert everybody to Christianity by any means. But at the same token, uh, there's all sorts of kinds of discipline. Right. And, um, you know, some of us are disciplined to uh, get up very early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And some of us like sleeping in. But there were some the, of us disciplined to stay up really late. Really late. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a... Discipline is the key word to everything, in my opinion. Absolutely. That's so, so, so true. You know, if, if just like when you had your band, when mm-hmm. I had my band, mm-hmm. the discipline of learning how, you know, oh, Mom, do I have to go practice? You know, mm-hmm. or when I was playing the trumpet, uh, you had to have discipline that yeah. you were going to sit down and practice that sucker for 30 minutes a day, come mm-hmm. hell or high water. Right. And, uh, and and the days that you wanted to do it the least were the days that mattered the most. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, they really were. They really were. But, uh, you know, speaking of discipline, uh, I'll deviate here for a little bit. I'm sure everyone saw the uh, – because this has been going around social media and it's all over the news. The uh, the couple that – and I don't even remember where this was, but the couple that defended their home, the, the these uh, – protesters and i'm using air quotes uh tore down a fence and broke into a a gated neighborhood 
and decided they wanted to march through. And then they stopped at a house that had a sign that said no trespassing and started screaming at the homeowners and yelling and they, and even, even yelling that they were going to kill them and their pets. Well, the homeowner came out with his wife and the homeowner, the, the husband branded, brandished a uh, AR-15 and the wife a, what I couldn't really tell, maybe a Wather pistol, uh, pistol. Um, I just want to say, first of all, it's our God-given rights to protect private property. But I would also like to say, when I saw the video and I saw the pictures, I would like to recommend that couple, which I can't remember their names, please go get training. Because they look like they have never held a gun. They look like that that they maybe went out or they sent the butler out to get their get some weapons for them because they were afraid the rioters and looters may come to their neighborhood. And then the rioters and looters came to their neighborhood. And so they opened the box and took out the weapon and went out in the front yard. Uh, they had horrible technique. Uh, it looked to me like the first time he ever held a gun. And it looked like the first time she ever held a gun. So I would just like to recommend, please get some training. And if you have trouble finding some, please... Don't hesitate to look up our friend, our radio friend Harold Lanier. Um, and boy, I'm going to forget the name of his uh, of his uh, uh, training place, but uh, he will be happy to bring you down to, or have you come down to Georgia, and he will train you how to properly hold those weapons. Because if you're going to buy a gun, ladies and gentlemen, it is your Second Amendment right. I recommend it, but please get the training. Get the training you will need. Because had that, I'm afraid if the, that mob of people had a bum rush the house, they wouldn't have. They they may have ended up shooting themselves. So <laughs> please get the training needed. Uh, but I commend them. I commend them for being willing to protect their property because it's their God given right. So, but uh, that's all I'm going to say about that because you know there's more information I'm sure that'll come out. You know, uh, but just remember this, folks. No matter what you hear from the media, those people were American citizens and have the right given to them by the United States Constitution, their God-given right to protect the private property. And for the leftists that are out there, including the mayor of whichever city that was, who said she's looking to prosecute, to bring charges against the homeowners, uh, I, for one, want to know what freaking charges she thinks she can bring. Uh, because... It is spelled out in the United States Constitution. Well, they didn't fire around, did they? Uh, no, they did not. Okay, they did so not. They, they just brandished the weapon on their private property, and uh, and you know what? It worked. That 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 crowd moved right along. Uh, once they said some awful things and yelled some awful things, and uh, they moved along. And uh, so, look, you know, I, they, I would have probably taken the coward's approach. I would have opened my window up, stuck my AR-15 out the window. And popped, well, uh, popped a round off at their feet and uh, <laughs> said, we're not staying you know, here, folks. Honestly, David, that really isn't the coward approach. You know, for And this is why I want them to get training. Coming out into your front yard and, and holding your weapon, and, and especially when you don't have, know how to hold it, um, really isn't going to do any good. You're, you don't have any vantage point. And you don't know what's behind you. And you don't know what's behind you. So uh, what they should have done is, uh, you know, you assess the situation, you get a higher ground, you do exactly what you said, David. He would have been much better opening a window, removing the screen from his point of vantage, pointing down and, and, and saying, I am well trained. Do not come on this property. This is private property. I will defend it. You won't be burning this house down today. 
uh, you won't be shooting my pet because apparently they were screaming they would shoot their pet. So, so anyway, I, you know, I, like I said, they they need a little training, and there's there's a right thing to do, and and I hope everyone goes out and gets training because you you are your first responder right now with with cities trying to def- defund police. And look, if you're in Minneapolis, if you're in Seattle, if you're in some of these cities, folks, especially Chicago, uh, you are your first responder. So get some training because you're going to have to defend yourself. Well, and <laughs> and it comes back to what we've talked about with Roger and you and I yeah. talked about it a million and mm-hmm. one times have a plan have a plan absolutely look uh, chance favors the prepared mind uh, you've got to be prepared there's nothing wrong with being prepared and if a liberal or a democrat or one of your friends makes fun of you for being prepared well then you just tell them you'll remember that when they come running to your door and want to get behind you to save themselves from the uh, rioters and looters and, and thugs. And, uh, you know, and uh, let's go one step further, because I know you had a situation, and and I know that, uh, and I'm <laughs> I'm trying to think the last time I ate out. It's been so long, I can't remember. But, <laughs> well, you, know, you weren't allowed to for a long time. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, uh, you go into a restaurant, and you try to get the advantage point there. I just heard of an incident. I didn't hear any, I didn't know anything about. Certainly, our wonderful news has not covered it. But in uh, Fort Worth, a uh, restaurant was taken taken over by BLM, and uh, they came in with uh, um, the not megaphones, but the portable speaker things or whatever. You know? Oh, right, right, like a PA system. Yeah, and mm-hmm. started yelling obscenities and the, what they were going to do in the restaurant and all this kind of stuff. And uh, uh, from what I understand, uh, they did meet some resistance. Uh, uh-huh. Several people popped up and said, and no. No. <laughs> you know, even in – now, this just warmed my heart. Even in New York City – the the liberal cesspool that New York has become, there were some good people that gathered around uh, the Teddy Roosevelt statue at the, at the National Museum, the National History Museum, Museum, uh, National Museum of History. Um, and go look up the video, folks. There's a lady who's a typical New Yorker. If you want to see where Trump comes from, <laughs> his <laughs> attitude, uh, go look at this lady because that was – now that – she is the epitome of a strong lady uh, or independent, whatever you want to call it, whatever women's lib thinks they are. That's what she is. And uh, she stood out there, and, and she had a, a – a, I'm just going to say it because everybody loves to point out skin color, a Caucasian, what used would look like maybe a – beginning college or middle college student middle years college student um just try and berate her and she ripped him a new one and it was fun to watch so uh go watch that go pull it up uh just pull up new york city teddy roosevelt statue woman defends or or just something like that but you'll find herself i got another little uh thing i gotta get off my chest i uh, no it's it's uh <laughs> i have been preaching a guy's name um Dr. K that uh, gave a speech back in 56 and said, you know, this was coming. I mean, he pegged it to the Mm -hmm. nth degree. Now, yesterday I went on, well, I I called the university where he used to teach, and um, he since died, but uh, I talked to a gentleman that knew him, and and, uh, 
he confirmed everything that I'd been saying. He said, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I went to many of Dr. K's speeches, and, and you're right. He, he's pegged it. My problem is I talked to a federal friend of mine, federal agent today, that uh, said, no, it's not the Russians. It's the Chinese. The Russians don't have the money to do it. The Russians really are capitalistic. They don't want to cut their nose off to spite their face. <laughs> well, that's true. And, their, uh, their economy is very frail. Yeah, and uh, but mm-hmm. the China has the money. Mm-hmm. And if you want to look at somebody, I mean, you know, you look at the fact of where did the where did the uh, China virus come from? China, China, a gun, <laughs> and they knew yeah. that you know it could wreck our economy as well mm-hmm. as the world economy, and they well, could walk in and take over. Well, David, and, there's no doubt to that because all you got to look and see what China did in Jan- December and January. They banned all flights throughout China, but yet let all flights to to everywhere else in the world go on. Right. So they knew what they were doing, and uh, you know they're they're the ones. If you think about it. <laughs> All you have to do is go on a college campus, and they've infiltrated the college campuses like crazy. You look at how many Chinese are on college campuses and becoming professors and teaching other teachers socialism. And socialism, folks, is the first step towards Marxism, towards communism. Well, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt. Well, you know what, David? That that's a good segment into where I want to go next, uh, because home. I want what's that? Home, home, <laughs> home. Wherever lunch is, that's where I'm going next. <laughs> but I, I want look, folks. I want to restore your faith in America, and I want to do it by explaining to you why. It offends me so much when somebody kneels in front of the flag or disrespects the United States flag. Um, I want to try and do this in a way that uh, that I, I hope will bring this home. I hope you, the Democrats listening to me out there, because there are a few of you I know. Um, uh, let me try and explain this to you. Let me. I want to read something to you. You go. You guys know I don't read a whole lot um, right here. <laughs> oh, that's going to come back to bite me in the you know what? Because the leftist media out there is going to cut what I just said. and They're going to run with that. But anyway, those of you who are listening know the full context. Um, I know what I was going to say is I don't read a lot on the show um, because reading to an audience is pretty darn not entertaining. But I'm going to make this entertaining, folks, because I, I want you to hear this. Um, so let me – I'm going to start with the pledge. Those All of you know the Pledge of Allegiance, or at least I hope you do. And um, it shouldn't be a point of controversy. Uh, but this pledge for, for, for the flag and for the country, um, let me explain it to you in the words of Red Skelton. Uh, so just bear with me here. I, I'm, I'm basically going to recite the pledge, but I'm going to explain it to you in, as he did. Uh, as I'm sorry, as a teacher, one of his teachers did, and and I wish we had more teachers like this. So here we go. Uh, this is why you're going to hear right now. You're going to hear in these words why it is so offensive to me, to David, and to many many of my listeners when you try and kneel in front of the flag or you disrespect the flag. Okay, here we go. I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge, dedicate all of my worldly goods. To give without self-pity, allegiance, my love and devotion, to the flag, our standard, old glory, a symbol of freedom. Wherever she waves, there is respect. Now listen, folks, 
wherever she waves, there is respect. Because of your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts, freedom is everybody's job. United. That means that we have all come together. States. Individual communities that have united into 48 great states. 50 now, I know, but when this was written, it was 48. 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose. All these states divided with imaginary boundaries, yet united for a common purpose. And that purpose is love for country. And to the republic, a republic, not a democracy, a republic, a state in which sovereign power is invested in representatives chosen by we, the people, to govern. And a government is the people, and it's from the people to the leaders, not from the leaders to the people. No other country can say that, folks. It's from the people to the leaders, not from the leaders to the people. For which it stands, one nation, one nation, meaning so, so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided, with liberty, which is freedom the right of power to lo- to live one's own life without threats without fear or some sort of retaliation do you hear that folks liberty which is freedom the right of the power to live one's life without threats fear or some sort of retaliation and justice the principle or quality of dealing fairly with others. For all. For all. Which means it is as much your country as it is mine. Now, folks, when that was Red Skelton, look him up. Look him up. Really, really interesting guy. I don't even know if he had an education past seventh grade, but an, uh, an interesting, interesting guy. Look him up. And after he read that, after he recited that, he said this. Since I was a small boy, two states have been added to our country, and two words have been added to the Pledge of Allegiance. And those two words are under God. Now, wouldn't it be a pity... If someone said that this is a prayer and should be eliminated from schools, a pity that would be. So think about that, folks. Think about it. Now, that is one reason right there why the flags mean so much to me and to many others like me and to many, 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 many Americans. Um, But I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to I guess we're going to take a break here. We'll take a quick break. And when I get back, you know what? We're going to blow by this break. <laughs> We're on a roll. Uh, this is what's great about live radio, folks. We can make executive decisions. Well, David the Legend can make executive decisions. Um, I don't want to stop there, folks. I want to get into a story. I want to get into a story about the national anthem. Now, folks, 
it irks me to no end when people kneel. And what we're seeing right now is is because of a few, because of so many, maybe, but but maybe it's a, I'm hoping it's just a few. But they're so uneducated as to what the national anthem stands for that they feel like it's a fad now to kneel in front of it. Because they're being told that somehow kneeling in front of the national anthem or kneeling in front of the flag somehow is going to make a virtue signal, I guess, for them. Or somehow they care more somehow. So so let me get into the story. I want to oh, yes, interrupt for one second. While you're telling your story and talking about this... And all the time you were talking about, and I remember when Red Skeleton came out with that. Mm-hmm. Folks, keep in mind, less than, less than 1% of our entire nation ever serves yeah, in correct. the military. And they're the ones that are keeping you free. They're the ones that have kept you free. They're the ones that have raised their hands to put their life on the line for you. Mm-hmm. So what have you done? Yeah. Hey, remember old, uh, the, the last the last real Democrat? <laughs> the last Democrat who loved his country, probably? Uh, John F. Kennedy. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And, David, that's a good point. So, well, let me get into this. Let me tell you guys why so many of us are so offended when somebody who dares, and I won't even point him out on the United States soccer women's team, but you represent the flag and you have the audacity to kneel, oh, I don't even want to get started on who on that team. Or Well, you know what? I'm going to stop right there. I'm just going to be nice. Let me get into Let me tell you why it, it, it hurts me so much. Okay. So you know the Star-Spangled Banner, but do you know the meaning of it? Um if somebody is near or knows that uh, Caperdouche, um, please knock him on the head or give him a call, send him a text, and tell him he needs to tune in and listen to this. And if he doesn't listen to it now, he can listen to me later on any podcast. Podcast. <laughs> so, all right. You see, there was a man. There was a man who was uh, happened to be a lawyer. Uh, he went by the name of Francis Scott Key. Now, you may have recently heard about Francis Scott Key because there were some rioters, looters, and tyrannists and Marxist who were trying to pull down his statue. And they may have succeeded. I don't, I don't know. But what a shame. But this man, Francis Scott Key, he, uh, Key, he penned a song. You know the one. So many of you want to disrespect it. You want to kneel. You want to spit on it. Uh, you want to spit on the flag while this song is being played. Uh, you don't. Um, some of you don't want to stop there. You want to continue to move uh, statues of history, and uh, like I said, they've tried to pull down the one of Francis Scott Key. Well, let me educate you, please, on what the national anthem means, why it is the American anthem. Let me tell you why. So Francis Scott Key, as I said, was a lawyer. He was a lawyer from Baltimore. At the time, the colonies were engaged in a vicious, vicious conflict with the mother country, Britain. Both sides have accumulated uh, prisoners. Uh, the Americans had British prisoners. The, the uh, British had uh, American prisoners. The American government went to the British and said, look, let us negotiate for the return of prisoners. This was initiated by the Americans. So during this battle, during this fight, the Americans said, let us negotiate we will return your prisoners. Please return our American prisoners. 
These American prisoners were held in, in boats and ships just off the coast. Uh, the British had their fleet, a part of their fleet out there, and they had these guys in the bottom of a boat, shackled and chained. Uh, the Americans basically said, we want to send a man. We want to send one man over to your ship with your admiral, you know, your British fleet, whoever leads it, and we want to negotiate for a mutual exchange of prisoners, man for man. And the man the Americans sent was Francis Scott Key. So Francis Scott Key got in a rowboat and off he went. He rowed himself right out to the to the to the head ship of the British fleet, and uh, he got on the ship and started negotiating with the British. They reached. It wasn't that long. It didn't take long. They reached a conclusion. Uh, they reached a conclusion that that uh, the prisoners could be exchanged man for man, and Francis Scott Key was so jubilant that he reached that, that he was so jubilant that he reached an agreement that he went down to the bottom of the ship. Where the cargo was holding, uh, just it was just full of humanity of men, full of men, prisoners shackled of Americans. Francis went down there and he said, "I have news. I have news, men. I have news. Tonight I have negotiated your return back to the colonies. Your shackles and change will be removed." Then Francis went back to the top of the ship. Well, the British admiral was waiting for Francis. And he pulled Francis aside and he said, Francis, we have a small problem. You see, we will release these men as agreed upon, but it will merely be an academic, uh, it will be near, merely be academic after tonight. And Francis Scott Key, with a puzzled look on his face, said, what do you mean? And the British Admiral, he said, well, Mr. Key, you see, tonight we have laid an ultimatum upon the colonies. Your people will either capitulate and lay down the colors of that flag that you think so much of, or you see that fort right over there, and he pointed to Fort uh, Fort Henry, and he pointed over and he said, you see that Fort Henry over there? We're going to remove it from the face of the earth. Now, folks, think about this. Francis Scott Key had just went down to the bottom of the ship to the American prisoners and said, I've negotiated your freedom. You're going to, the shackles will be removed, and you're going to be free and returned to the colonies. And then the British admiral comes up and goes, you know what? This is merely academic because we're going to kill all of you unless you capitulate and take down the colors of the flag that you revere so much. So even then, the prisoners... And the Americans made it known what the flag meant to them because the British people knew. The British military, the British Navy, they knew what that flag meant. So, so well, let me get into a little more and let me give you the words of, Frank, of Fran, uh, Francis and the Admiral. So when Francis said – I'm sorry. When the British Admiral said, we, we will remove Fort Henry from the face of the earth, Francis responded with, how are you going to do that? And the British Admiral said, well, Francis, if you will, Mr. Key, if you will, scan the horizon as he pointed to the horizon of the sea. And when he did, what did Francis Scott Key see? He saw hundreds of little dots. And the Admiral said, those little dots you see are the entire British fleet. Now, folks, I don't know. Maybe I do need to tell you, but at the time... The British had the most powerful fleet in, 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 the, in the world. 
and he looked at Francis Scott Key and said, those dots you see are the entire British fleet. And he didn't stop there. The Admiral looked at Mr. Key and he said, all of the gunpowder, all of the armament is being called upon. So all of the gunpowder, all of the armament in the British fleet is being called upon to demolish that fort. And he pointed again to Fort Henry. It will be here, the fleet, will be here within striking distance in a matter of two and a half hours. You see, Mr. Key, the war is over. These men would be freed anyway. Francis Scott Key said, he looked at the Admiral and said, you can't shell that fort. That's a large fort that is full of women and children. You see, Mr. Uh, British Admiral, Mr. Key explained, this fort is predominantly not a military fort. It's a fort with many women and children. It's not predominantly military. And the Admiral said, don't worry about it. We have left them an out. So the British Admiral looked at Francis Scott Key as, as Mr. Key pleaded for the women and children of the fort. The Admiral said, well, we give them a way out. So Francis said, well, what's that? Now listen, folks, I want you to listen closely. Come in closer to me, please. The British Admiral said, do you see that flag? That flag that you guys as Americans revere so much? That flag that stands way up there on the rampart? We have told them that if they will lower that flag, place it on the ground, the shelling will immediately stop. So all you Americans have to do is take the flag you revere, that flag that stands for freedom and liberty, take it down and put it on the ground. Step on it. Whatever you want to do, just put it on the ground. Once you do that, we'll stop the shelling immediately. For we will know that you have surrendered and will succumb to British rule. So in other words, the British admiral said, we'll, we'll let the women and children and anyone else get out if you'll just take that flag and put it on the ground. Walk on it on your way out. Just put it on the ground. Then we'll stop firing. We'll stop shelling. Because then you'll give away freedom. You'll give up freedom. You'll give up liberty. And you'll be under the foot of the British rule. Well, Francis Scott Key, he turned away from the British admiral and he went back down below. He went back down below that ship to where the prisoners, the American prisoners were. And he told the American prisoners what he had learned. Then he went back topside and he looked back and he said to, and he yelled down to the American prisoners and said, men, I will shout down to you and let you know what is happening. And then the shelling started and they, and they watched. So in fact, as twilight began to fall and a haze held over the ocean as a desert sunset, the British warships unleashed holy hell on the fort. The sound was deafening. So many guns that there were there was no release. There was no break is what they were saying. Uh, you couldn't talk nor hear. The nighttime sky was suddenly lit. Then all you could hear though, once he when when Francis put his attention back to the American prisoners. All he could hear from them was one request. And you know what that request from the prisoners was? Tell us where the flag is. What had they done with the flag? Is the flag still flying over the rampart? Tell us. That's what the American prisoners were yelling. 
while they could hear the shelling and the shelling and the shelling. They were asking, please tell us where the flag is. What have they done with the flag? Is the flag still flying? Well, one hour went by, two hours went by, three hours went by. Shelling continued. Every time a bomb went off near the American flag, you could see that it was still up. When a bomb would go off near that flag, the American flag, it would light up enough of the sky where you could see the flag. And so Francis would shout down to the prisoners and say, it's still up. It's still up. It's not down. And the British admiral approached Francis. At one point, he approached Francis and said, your people are insane. You Americans are insane. What is the matter with them? Don't they understand that this is an impossible situation? And Francis Scott's key, he looked at the admiral and he remembered. Now, folks, listen to me. Francis Scott Key remembered what George Washington said. The thing, and I'm quoting, this is George Washington, I'm quoting, the thing that sets the American Christian apart from all other people in the world is that he, the American, will die on his feet before he will live on his knees. That is a quote from George Washington. So as Francis Scott Key is watching his brethren, women and children, get shelled, and he sees that flag still standing there, and the admiral coming to him and saying, you people are crazy, Francis Scott Key recites a quote from George Washington. The thing that sets American Christians apart from all people in the world is that he, the American, will die on his feet before he will ever live on his knees. You see, folks... This is why so many of us are offended by those who think it's okay to kneel in front of the flag or to kneel in the national anthem. This is why it pisses us off so much. Um, these kneeling people out there and these children and college students or whatever, and, and, and I do say children because even children are doing it, you just don't know your history. So let me continue, though, because it gets better. The Admiral said now... We have instructed, so, so the Admiral turns to Francis Scott King and he says, what we're doing now is I've instructed all of our guns, all of our guns, to take aim at that flag. That flag you endure and revere so much, I've instructed every ship in the fleet, every gun in the fleet, to take aim at that flag. And we're going to take it down. The Admiral said this, and I quote, We don't understand something. Our recon tells us, he actually said reconnaissance, our reconnaissance tells us that we have hit that flag directly again and again and again and again, yet it still flies. But now we will bear every gun down on that flag to take it down. And Francis Scott King wrote, this is what he wrote. The barrage was unmerciful. The unleashing of the guns that the British put at that rampart and at the flag was unmerciful. Now all he could hear from the prisoners, because Francis Scott King would continually go and look and see what the prisoners were doing, the American prisoners. And you know what they were doing at this point? They were all praying. 
Now, I know you're asking, what prayer could they possibly be asking or what prayer could they be doing? Well, let me tell you, it was simple. Their prayer that they kept reciting over and over throughout this merciful barrage of of gunfire on the flag was this. God, keep that flag flying where we last saw it. That's what those American prisoners were saying. That's the prayer they were giving. God, keep that flag flying where we last saw it. That's what they were doing. So, folks, now sunrise comes. And he said, and this is what Scott King said, uh, Francis Scott King, there was a heavy, heavy mist hanging over the land, but the rampart was tall enough And there stood the flag, completely nondescript and in shreds, but there it stood. And the flagpole itself was at a crazy angle. The British Admiral pointed it out. Francis Scott King pointed it out. What angle, what a weird angle this flag was at. But you know what? The flagpole, what a weird angle the flagpole was at. But you know, the flag was still at the top. It was torn. It was shredded, but it was still at the top. So you know what Francis Scott King did? He immediately went to the fort, got back in his rowboat and went over to the fort to see what had happened. And what he found was that the flagpole and the flag that had suffered so many, many, many direct hits. And it, it, what he founded was it had fallen. But men, fathers... These men and fathers that were in that fort who knew what that flag meant to be on the ground. Knowing that all the British guns were trained on that flag, the men and women, these Americans. Now ask yourself if we have Americans that would do this today. But these Americans, they knew what it meant for that flag to be on the ground. Because remember, the British people said, I'll give you an out. All you've got to do is put that flag on the ground. Walk over it, stand on it, whatever, but put it on the ground. And then we'll let you walk out with your lives. But these Americans said, nope, nope, mm-mm. We know what it means for that flag to be on the ground. So what did these Americans do? What did these fathers and men, what did they do? What did they do? Knowing that every British gun was trained on that flag. They walked over to the flag and they held it back up until they died. They picked up the pole with the flag and held it up until they died. And when they died, their bodies were removed by others who took their place and held that flag up. Francis Scott King said what held that flagpole in place throughout the night at such an unusual angle were the Patriots' bodies. That's American Patriots, ladies and gentlemen. Because they didn't want to allow that flag to be on the ground. And so Francis Scott King penned a song right there, folks. He wrote these words. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light? What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. For the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that the flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet fly and wave for the land of the free and the brave. Now, folks, if you still, 
after knowing the history that I just gave you, want to kneel in, for the national anthem, or if you want to take down and stand or burn an American flag, then shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on your education. Shame on the teachers you had. Shame on the Democrats. Shame, shame, shame. Because there is no, there is nothing in that flag or the national anthem that stands for anything bad. Nothing. It stands for freedom, for liberty. That flag and that national anthem doesn't see black. It doesn't see white. It doesn't see brown. It doesn't see yellow. It sees red, white, and blue Americans. It sees Americanism. It stands for freedom, liberty, and justice for all people. All people. All right, folks. So now I'm going to take that break. (laughs) We'll be right back. You're listening to America's Web Radio on Point with Victor. Well, actually, Victor, Uh, we'll probably not be right back. Oh, we won't be right back. We're at the end of the show. Well, look, folks. Uh, thanks so much for indulging me. I'm, I'm, I, I love the history of this country. There's no country like this country, and you need to start appreciating. And if you don't, you need to ask yourself why you don't and go look at a little history. Because that chip on your shoulder is not the fault of the American flag. It's not the fault of the founding fathers. Remember that. All right, stay tuned for Locked and Loaded coming up with Roger B. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.